Welcome to the Generations Church podcast. This is Brian Nugent, and I'm the pastor at Generations Church. Thanks for listening today. We hope this message is an encouragement and blessing to your life. For more information about Generations Church and its ministries, check out our webpage at gctlh.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter. So Exodus chapter 32 Uh, We're going to talk about Moses. Now, before we get to 32, just kind of let me uh, set, set the moment up. Moses has been invited by God to come to Mount Sinai for a visit, okay? So, boy, that would be nervous, you know, like, you know, like when your mother said, hey, would you come to my room? You know, you never knew how that was going to cut. So the Lord has given him an invitation and Moses brings 70 other people with him, which that's wise. If you think you're in trouble, bring some other people. All right. Before he starts the ascent to Sinai, he builds an altar and makes a sacrifice. Always wise. You never know. You know, Lord, if I've done anything, hey, I just want to say I'm sorry up front. And uh, so he starts the ascent up to Sinai and he gets about three quarters of the way. And the Lord says to Moses, now everybody else stop. Moses, you are the one, you know, you come with me. So, so he's up there. He's in, in God's presence, all right? But the people, the, the Hebrews, they're looking up at the top of Mount Sinai, and they see this cloud of fire. You know, they have no idea what's going on. Now, in the meantime, Aaron, the priest, had this idea while he's up there. Hey, let me just gather all of your gold because we don't know what has happened to Moses and we're going to make an idol, okay? And they all donate their gold. They make this golden calf. And then Aaron, the priest, says, listen, these are our God. This is our God. This is the one that brought us uh, brought us out of Egypt. So they start this celebration. Moses still uh, on the on the mountain there. He's still, you know, they can still see the, the cloud of fire up there. And they start this celebration that has great similarities to the Passover, that, uh, how they would celebrate it, you know, uh, great similarities to the, to the Passover. So Moses is on the mountain. Moses is on the mountain. In God's presence. Now you can read, you know, like I think it's like Exodus 25 through 31, all that Moses and God were discussing while they were up uh, up on the mountain. But in verse 7 of chapter 32, it says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Go down because your people whom you brought up out of Egypt have become corrupt. They have been quick to turn away what I have commanded them. And they have made themselves an idol cast in the shape of a calf. They have bowed down to it, sacrificed to it, and have said, These are your gods, Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. The Lord continues to Moses, I have seen these people, the Lord said to Moses, and they are a stiff-necked people. Now leave me alone so that my anger may burn against them and that I may destroy them. And then I'll make you into a great nation. So God is really upset. And it's understandably so. Because four months previous, those that are worshiping the calf 
were slaves in Egypt, okay? They were in slavery four months, four months before, and they witnessed the great deliverance of God that we know in the story of the Passover, okay? They saw that four months previous. A, a few weeks later, as their backs are against the Red Sea, they see an unbelievable miracle again as God marches them across the Red Sea and then once they get across the Red Sea, they see God's hand in provision and direction on a daily basis. So it's probably a little understandable why the Lord was upset when these people had just witnessed two of the greatest miracles that we see in the Bible. So Moses comes down and, and, and he's... And he, and he begins to see what is happening. I mean, listen, Moses has the tablets in his hand that God had written with his finger. Moses has the veil on his face because he had been in the glory of God. And here Moses comes down off of this mountain with these particular things and he witnesses this horrific idolatry that they are participating in while they can look at the top of Sinai and see God's glory. Okay? So he's... He's kind of caught in the middle, Moses is. And we are kind of in the same way. We are witnessing kind of the same situation. We, we know about God's word. We know, we know what God's law says on certain things in our, in our life. And, but you know, our country made a decision about four decades ago to mute the voice of the church and ignore the voice of the church and to walk down a secularist and humanist path, okay? Now, people ask me sometimes, do you think we are under the judgment of God? I don't know the answer to that, but I do think that we are seeing the consequences of the secular decisions that we have made over the past four decades. Now, I follow on Twitter some of the great secularists and atheists. I like to read what they say, and I follow Sam Harris, if you are familiar with him, and Richard Dawkins, if you are familiar with them, and I've read some of their, some of their material, and I just want to say, man, if this is the promised secular utopia that you guys have promised, I want to say no thank you. No thank you. So there are two things that Moses was dealing with as he walked down and he sees what is happening. He knows what he's got in his hand and his heart, but he's seeing, he's witnessing this, this terrible scene before his eyes. So there are two things Moses was dealing with, a sinful nation and a compromised church. A sinful nation and a compromised church. Let's talk about our, our nation. I love my country. I love my country. I love to travel. I love to travel. I love to use my passport. But there's nothing like landing back in the United States of America. Okay? There's just nothing like it. I know every person feels like their country is the greatest, and everybody can feel that way across the world. But I just feel like God smiled on, on this particular land. 
But you know, four or five decades ago, we've started making choices in our political realm, in our culture, away from God's word, away from biblical truth, and we have chosen secularism and humanism. Now, all while we were making that choice, the voice of the church has been ignored. It's been ridiculed by the voices of secularism. But now we are seeing the fruit of secularism begin to emerge in humanism uh, now. They've, they've always pointed their finger at the church. You're in the dark ages. You don't know what you're talking about. That was, you know, those, those were laws for a thousand years ago. But now we are looking at the fruit of secularism every day. Broken families, inner cities that are like war zones, our nation and almost every, you know, every strata is unraveling. Listen, I want to say to you this morning, our only hope for our country is to turn back to God. It's the only hope for our country. And there's a shaking that is going on in the world. There's a shaking that's happening. And we're witnessing that just, just like Moses. He, he comes down and he's, and he's probably shocked at what he sees and what he witnesses. And that, that shaking is happening right now. It's unprecedented what we're walking through all at the same time. Now listen. I, I don't live on the West Coast, so when I see fires like they're going through, I have no point of reference. Now, we know hurricanes here, don't we? But I mean, I was just looking at a map the other day. The West Coast of our country literally is, is on fire. I mean, we have hurricanes here. Do you realize that we've gone through all the hurricane names for 2020? You know, the next... Tropical depression will be named the Greek alphabet alpha. Let me tell you, when your hurricanes are named by the Greek alphabet, that's bad news. We've gone, we've gone through that. Political unrest, riots, lawlessness in the midst of a pandemic that we do not know uh, when will end a, a presidential election, the, the tragic loss of a Supreme Court justice all at the same time. Let me just tell you something. This is not just some coincidence. There is a shaking that is going on in the world. And I want to remind you, for those that will hear, Jesus is coming and he's coming soon. I want to remind you of that. But this shaking is not just to punish people. This shaking is to remind people to look to God, to repent of their sins, come into the love and care and grace of Jesus Christ. So we are getting a wake-up call. This is unusual, unprecedented. I had, the, I had the TV on the other day. I just had it on a news program, and the guy, I don't know what his religious beliefs are, he said, hey, something feels different about what we are going through now. Now, I never talked to the TV, but I went, you are absolutely right. There's just something, something different, okay? Listen to me, listen to me. This is a, a wake-up call for our nation. It's a wake-up call for the church. And there are times, listen to me, that God calls a nation to answer for its sins. There are times that God 
God says, listen, you have chosen this, this path. And, and, and now, man, correction is in order. Let's look at our nation. The original sin of our nation was slavery, okay? The original sin of our nation was slavery. We took wonderful freedom that God gave us in one of the first decisions. Now, there were other wonderful decisions too, but we took our freedom and we enslaved a race of people and we traded them as commodities, ignoring the fact that all men are created in the image of God and are loved in the image of God. And, and that, that original sin is still, the fruit of that is still being born today. Racism and slavery, the original sin of our nation. The original sin. But today, like one of the biggest sins is abortion. Okay? It's abortion. It's terrible. It's horrific. It's barbaric. Listen to me. It wouldn't be as offensive to me if a, if a woman that had a, a pregnancy, that a surprise pregnancy that she didn't want, if she made the decision and it just kind of disappeared, just kind of floated into thin air, okay? Then maybe it wouldn't be as abhorrent to me, but that's not, that's not what happens, okay? In the first trimester, it is suction aspiration. You can look up that term as they terminate that pregnancy. In the second or third trimesters, they do dismemberment abortions, DNC. I mean, it's horrible. You know, it's just, it, it's just horrific. Partial birth abortion. You can look up those, you can look up those terms. So if, if a woman said, I don't want this pregnancy, and boom, it just vanished, you know, then maybe, maybe it wouldn't be as offensive to people. But, but what happens after that is absolutely brutal. It is absolutely horrific. And now in some states, even if a baby is born, they are legislating a way to kill the child post-birth. Post I'm, I'm, just, I'm just telling you. I mean, it's, it's horrific. It's barbaric. It's unbelievable what we, what we do to the most innocent of life. All right? And I want to say this too. I'm going to say this too. Abortion is disproportionately African-American. Okay? Almost two-thirds of all babies that are born are, are, are African-American. All right? That, that bothers me. Most abortions are for those who are poor. They feel like they have no, no way, you know, no, no, no way out in this. And it, and it bothers me. You know, it bothers me. We live in the poorest zip code in Florida, okay? And right down the road, we have a brand new Planned Parenthood center, okay? About a million dollars in the poorest zip code in a college town. I just want to tell you this morning that I just think, I, you know, I think God is grieved. Now listen to me. We think because the Supreme Court settled it that God has moved on. But let me just say something to you this morning. You can fix the laws of men and contort the laws of men to go with a corrupt culture, but it never changes God's word. It never does. It never does. 
You cannot separate the law from the brutality of the act against the person. If you are a person that says, I'm for it, then you've got to be okay with the brutality on the back end. And I want to tell you, listen, it's the brutality of what is occurring to unborn infants that is the, that is the, the problem that, that, that we have. It's ending prematurely just a, 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 a life. You can't, you can't separate the two. You can't be just for the law and then ignore how it happens. It just doesn't float away. just doesn't disappear. And I, I think, you know, we may need to have a conversation in our country that even though it seems the settled law of the land, we might be walking ourselves right into the judgment of God because of it. 50 million unborn babies aborted. We have trouble in our nation. Pornography. Pornography. Our Supreme Court has made the legal distinction between obscenity and pornography. Okay? So obscenity is bad. This strange, this strange legal opinion, okay? Obscenity is bad, but pornography is okay. Pornography is protected, but obscenity is, obscenity is bad. But can I just remind you this morning that, that pornography, you know, under any circumstance, perpetuates sex trafficking. You cannot separate the two. So we've allowed it, and it's legally protected, but it is involved in the perpetuation of sex trafficking. And how many rapes, sexual assaults, pedophilia come because of legalized pornography in the United States? What politician, what judicial, what judge is going to stand and take responsibility for the carnage and the collateral damage that has come by protecting pornography with the laws of the land? Who's going to stand and take, take, take uh, credit for that? I want to tell you something. You can bend and shape the laws all you want to fit your corrupt culture, but the laws of God never change. Women are beautiful in the sight of God. They should not be treated in this way. And there are lots of violent crimes that come because of legally protected pornography, and it's wrong. It's wrong. Redefinition of marriage and gender. For thousands of years, this has been the sacred text. This has been the textbook on marriage. Marriage is sacred between man, woman, and God. It's always been that way. It's always been that way. But our country, as they walk through its secular project, uh, uh, progression, said, hey, thank you, but we'll take that and we'll make it a civil act. It was never meant to be civil alone. It's sacred. It's part of... God, it's part of the, the sex drive that God has put in each man and each woman that is to be expressed within the covenant of marriage so that all needs, emotional, physical, and spiritual, are met within that union. That's God's plan, but we've said, you know, we'll just take it, thank you very much, we'll make it civil, and we'll form and fashion it just like we want to. All right? Because sexual expression... It's not just an individual, you know, it's not just an individual act. It's done, you know, it's done in the context of, of loving marriage. And they said, hey, we'll take it. And now the laws of the land, 
men marry men, women marry women. And now, you know, they're working through legislation where multiple people, three, four people can be in a married union, okay? Just, it's unbelievable from, from the beginning of this sacred relationship. We have young people today that struggle with gender identity, not how you were born, but how you identify in the moment. And, and I want to say, like, like to anybody who's struggling with that or walking through that, listen, I don't have a stone to throw. I'm not angry at you if you're listening to me. Maybe even if you're here this morning, I'm glad you're here. You're my guest, my friend. I don't want anybody, I don't want anybody leaving because of that or thinking that you're not uncomfortable. No, that is not the case. But I do, I do feel like it's biblically wrong. And when it comes to gender, you know, you know who may be the ultimate arbiter and referee, it may be the sports world, you know, like, like as people are trying to compete in sports, you know, they don't listen to the Bible, but man, the NCAA may be the one that, that brings the law down on this, all right? I wouldn't say you can fix the laws in the Supreme Court and you can light up the White House however you want. You can fix and maneuver law to follow, you know, the, the, the corrupt culture, but the law of God never changes, okay? And we might be walking ourselves into the judgment of God with the approval of the Supreme Court and all of our legislature. We might be doing that. Let's look at something else. Violence and lawlessness. Violence and lawlessness. Listen, you've seen with horror like I have what, what's been going on in some of our inner cities. Let me just say, too, I want to make a distinction. There was some legitimate protest about some legitimate offenses that people had, you know, in our country, and every person has that right to, to protest and make their, you know, make their point known peacefully. But this was not that. This was just riotous violence and lawlessness. Now, listen to me, because the Bible says, like in the latter times, in the, in the last times, lawlessness is going to rule the age. Look at 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, and I'm going to read you 2 Timothy 3. There will be terrible times in the last days. Terrible times. People's, people will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of good, treacherous, rash, conceit, lovers of pleasure, rather than lovers of God. He said, this is going to be a mark of the generation that is going to take place in the latter times. And I mean, it's just unbelievable lawlessness and violence, the violent crime. You know, when God judged the nation in the time of Noah, it was because of its violence. People were murdering each other. They were killing each other. They were, they were maiming each other. But you know, it all comes down to a decision that we made in our academic institutions that kind of, that kind of bled into our, you know, into our culture and our way of thinking when it comes to biblical truth, all right? Because we don't, we don't, you know, there's no right or wrong now. There's no right or wrong. Truth is in the eye of the beholder, okay? If you believe something sincerely, then your belief needs to be validated and honored. So now the ultimate truth is not whether something is right or wrong, but it's the sincerity in which someone believes something, okay? It's a strange logic. 
where every worldview must be accepted and validated, and anything you say contradictory to someone who is sincere in their belief is now considered hate speech or abuse. Okay? And that's where, that's where this, this worldview, it kind of implodes on itself because if you're validating every worldview, whether it's right or wrong, man, there's nothing that can stand in that. And that's the, the moral implosion that we are seeing in our country because there are rights and there are wrongs. Okay, it happens in mathematics. Two plus two is four. And I don't care how sincere you are, you know, two plus two does not equal six, all right? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It happens in mathematics, in engineering. When you go into your high-rise hotel and you're on the 32nd floor, you need an engineer that believes in absolutes, I don't right? care how sincere you all right? are. Otherwise, you're going to be you down know, in the two lobby. Two plus two does case. not equal six, all right? All the right. same happens in mathematics, and it same happens with values. There are values that are right or wrong, okay? Values that are right or wrong, and we've kind of we've bought into this. So I'm just concerned about our nation. We're going to pray over it this morning. He, he prospered us as a nation, and we've squandered his blessings. We're one of the greatest debtor nations in the world. It's unbelievable, unbelievable how we've taken the blessings of God upon our land and we've just squandered it and we've just blown it. And we point with pride to uh, our military strength and to our economic strength. But those two things only mask the deep darkness, spiritual darkness that our country is in. And I just want to remind, remind everyone, pride does come before a fall. So this is not a call to political engagement this morning, but a call for the church to fast and pray and seek God. It's a call to a nation to repent and turn from God. And I want you to know, spiritual warfare is not dealt through political parties at all. Political, spiritual warfare, the answer to a spiritual problem is not a political answer. It's not the rise of a politician or another, another political party that will bring healing to our land. It's a nation that returns and repents and calls out to God. So I feel a little like Moses. Kind of see and kind of understand what's, what's going on. He comes down. Let's look at the church for a moment. He comes down and Moses saw a compromised religious system with Aaron the priest leading in the promotion of the idol. Okay? That's what he sees. <laughs> Aaron, the priest. He's the one that's organizing this, this idol. Gathering the gold. Led the charge. But it wasn't just Aaron there was no godly people around with discernment. No praying remnant to go, hey, this is wrong. We're headed the wrong way. They had all bought in to this particular system. I want to just tell you this morning, God's pruning His church. God's pruning His church. John 15, I am the true vine and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch that bears no fruit. And while every branch that does bear fruit, He prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. God is pruning the church. 
Now, I want to tell you something. In the very beginning of the pandemic, I really felt like God spoke to me. There will be people that will leave your church and they will not be back when this thing is over. Not because they are going to another church, but this moment has revealed, you know, has revealed, you know, in their hearts this, this kind of uh, uh, apathetic uh, view of their, of their walk with God. Listen to me. They've always stood close. Maybe this is you. You've always stood close to those that are carrying the cross, but you've never grabbed it yourself. You've always been in the shadow of the church, but you've never been part of the church. And it's going to be this moment that is going to reveal the void that is in your heart. Some of you may see that and go, man, there's, not, there's something that's not right in my heart, and I need to turn back to God. He's pruning his church. Some of you are seeing that maybe in your own life. You don't go to, you can't go to church as much. There's all kinds of, you know, uh, health, you know, health concerns. And I want to tell you, he says, if there's no fruit, man, it's cut away. But you'll just walk away. You'll walk away. Some of you won't even hear my voice because you've allowed distance to come. All right? He's pruning. He's pruning the church. It's like he said to Gideon, you got too many soldiers. Whoever wants to walk away, just let them go. Let them go. 22,000 people walked away. They just, weren't, they just didn't want to be there. And that's what's happening in this moment. Those that have no heart for God, they've always hidden behind membership and service and occasional church attendance. That's kind of gone now. That's kind of gone. And if it's not in your heart, you'll just, you'll just drift away. God is calling his church to pray. He's pruning his church. He's pruning his church, but he's calling us to pray. What was Moses' plan? He comes down, he sees this offensive, you know, this offensive scene. What was his plan? More conversation, trying to be a peacemaker, trying to get a better grasp on the darkness. You know, hey, Aaron, what was really in your heart? Why did you really do this? Trying to get a greater understanding of the darkness of the moment? No. He calls out to God in this tense moment in a reverential boldness. Look what he says, verse 11. Moses sought the favor of the Lord. He said, why should your anger burn against your people whom you brought out of Egypt with a great power and a mighty hand? Why should the Egyptians say it was with evil intent that he brought them out to, uh, to kill them in the mountains and to wipe them off the face of the earth? Turn from your fierce anger. Relent and do not bring disaster on your people. Remember your servants Abraham, Isaac, and Israel to whom you swore by yourself I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky I will give your descendants all this land I promised them. Then the Lord relented and did not bring uh, on his people the disaster he had threatened. Moses' prayer encompassed this. He asked for the favor of God. He asked for the mercy of God. He confessed the sins and the iniquities of Israel and he gave God a reminder of of his promise. I want to tell you, Jesus saw some of the same thing when he walked in to the temple and he saw some things that was, was not right and he began to turn over the tables and what was his response? My house shall be a house of prayer for all nations. Listen to me. It doesn't matter what our attendance is. It doesn't matter, you know, uh, uh, what we have in the bank. If we don't call on the name of the Lord, man, what are we doing here on Sunday morning? What's happening? What's, has, what's happening? Worship team, you can come. Prayerlessness in the church. Acknowledgement that there's an issue, 
followed by no prayerlessness. Intercessors who do not listen, people who pray, who are distracted, and instead of spending time in their prayer closet, listen, listen to me, listen to me. I've been here six years, and I've never felt like we've walked into the revelation of prayer that God has for this church, okay? There's one thing that I feel, man, like I failed in, it's that. This church being a, being a labor room of prayer, okay? But I want to tell you something. I mean, if we don't pray and seek God, we'll never see the revival that we want to see either, okay? That comes through prayer. It comes through fasting. I'm asking you to hear that, that call this week. Listen, when we pray, when we pray, it makes me more like Christ, when I get in the, my prayer closet, when I pray, it can bring healing to the sick and delivers the oppressed. When I pray, it injects God's will and purpose into my life. When I pray, it protects my marriage and my family. When I pray, it weakens the grip evil has on my heart. When I pray, it increases my hunger for God and strengthens my spirit. When I pray, the local church can revive. It can. It can. It can. James says, be patient until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crops? Patiently waiting for the autumn and the spring rains. There's a latter rain that comes right before harvest that the fruit begins to bear. Listen to me. This is not the time for a prayerless church. This is not a time for us to sit and diagnose and talk about all that's wrong. Moses could have done that, but no, he turned his face toward God and he began to seek God and he began to pray. And that's what this week is all about. Man, that we need to turn to God. We need to seek God. We need to pray. Maybe for our own personal lives, for our church, we're praying for an awakening. And man, we want to see God do something in our nation. We have, what else is our answer? Some of you are holding out a lot of hope in a ballot. But I'm just telling you, spiritual problems are not erased with political answers. They're not. They're not. There's some people that are going to come help me pray this morning. I want you to come because we're going to end this with a prayer meeting this morning. It's a call to pray. It's a call to pray. You guys, come on up to the stage here. Come on up to the stage. Each one of these are going to take a part that's on that on, on that flyer. And we're going to seek God and we're going to pray. We're going to pray. Would you stand this morning? Would you stand? Would you stand? Kelsey, come and lead us this morning. Thank you. Father, we just come right now. God, we are asking for a personal spiritual awakening in our lives in Jesus' name. God, we recognize right now this is a defining moment for the church. God, we are at a crossroad moment where you are calling the church to come up higher. God, and we say yes to you in Jesus' name. We want to partner with you, Holy Spirit. We recognize that you are calling us deeper, Lord, and we say yes to you in this moment. God, we answer you right now in Jesus' name. God, and we come to you with a heart of repentance. God, we just ask for your forgiveness for being passive and complacent. God, for being lukewarm. God, you are calling us to be set ablaze, to be on fire for you. 
God, and I pray right now for a spiritual awakening to sweep across this place in the heart of every single person right now. Gone are the days of passivity. Gone are the days where we can just coast by. God, you are calling us deeper into intimacy with you, and I pray right now for a spiritual awakening in our lives. God, we open ourselves up to you right now. God, and we say, yes, come Holy Spirit, set us up on fire. I pray for a fresh baptism of the Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus. We say, yes, come on church, begin to press into him right now. Begin to say yes to the Holy Spirit. Fill me up, Holy Spirit. Set me on fire, Holy Spirit. We just begin to cry out to you right now in Jesus' name. God, I pray for a deeper intimacy with you. God, that we will go into the secret place, God, that we will have a hunger and thirst like never before in the name of Jesus. God, I pray for revival in the hearts of every single person in Jesus' name. God, I pray that we will seek after you, Lord, with greater authority. God, I pray for fresh revelation of your word and wisdom like never before. Let it fall on your people, God. Holy Spirit, I pray that you activate your gifts and your people right now in the name of Jesus. Activate spiritual gifts, Lord, in our lives right now in the name of Jesus, we declare it. God, we answer you right now. We say yes. We say yes, send revival to Generations Church. Send revival to Tallahassee, Florida right now in the name of Jesus. We say yes to you. We say yes, send revival, let fire fall. God, do something new in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Oh, glory to Dios, hallelujah. I pray today for people they are lost, especially for families and friends. Hallelujah. I pray for salvation. I pray, oh God, today that you touch their minds, Father God, that you touch their heart, that you change their life, Father God, in the name of powerful Jesus. Hallelujah. Bendito sea tu nombre, Señor. Oramos por todas estas personas perdidas, Padre eterno, familias, amigos, Padre eterno, que tú pones tu mano poderosa sobre ellos. Que tú cambias sus vidas, Padre Eterno. Que tú cambias el corazón de cada uno de ellos. Y los traes a ti, Padre Eterno. Porque tú eres el Dios Todopoderoso. El Dios que salva, que liberta. El Dios que restaura. En ti ponemos la confianza, Padre Eterno. Solo Jesucristo salva. Nadie más puede salvar. Solo Jesús salva, amados hermanos. Y amigos que escuchas esta palabra. Él salva, Él sana, Él libera, Él restaura, aleluya I pray God for those who are sick, Father God That you put your hand over him and heal them, Father And you give a miracles in this place, aleluya Alabado sea tu nombre, Señor Tu palabra dice que todo aquel que en ti cree será salvo Bendito seas, Padre a ti te damos la honra, la gloria, la alabanza, la adoración, porque solo tú te la mereces, Padre. Bendito sea tu nombre. En ti creemos, Padre amado, y sabemos por tu palabra que tú lo haces, Padre eterno. La honra sea para ti, Señor. En el nombre de Jesús. Amén, amén y amén. Aleluya. I will pray for the empowerment of the church and awakening of the church. But I want to read. Acts of the Apostle chapter 2 verse 17. Now we said so many things about the last days, but there is something else that happens in the last days. It said, and it shall come to pass in the last days, said God, 
I'll pour out of my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. And on my servants and on my handmaidens I'll pour out in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And these are the last days, and we are the sons and the daughters of God. So we are praying for the power of God to flow mightily in the church of God. We are praying for a spiritual awakening in the church of the Lord. And I want you to speak it out loud with your own mouth. Say it, that we speak the power of God in these days and time. We see increase in the spiritual gift. We see increase in the angelic ministrations all around us. We see the power of God flow so freely amidst us. In the mighty name of Jesus, I want you to speak it out with your mouth. Say it, that we see God's power flow so freely in the name of the Lord Jesus. We see miracles happen in the name of Jesus like in the days of the apostles. We see the power of God in its raw form in the name of the Lord Jesus. We see miracles and power in the name of the Lord Jesus. We see an outburst of the spiritual gifts in all dimensions in all dimensions, in all forms we see God's power move so mightily. We see the sick healed in the name of the Lord Jesus. We see miracles in our streets. We see believers flow being an embodiment of God's power in the name of the Lord Jesus. These are the last days. These are the last days. It has been prophesied. We are the sons. We are the daughters that has been prophesied about. We see God's spirit, God's mighty power upon us. We see the church walk in the authority that God has broke upon him in the name of the Lord Jesus. As Jesus has said, he said, all power in heaven and on earth belong unto me. And he said, behold, I give unto you power. And he said, go into the world. He said, preach the gospel, heal the sick, cleanse the leper. He said, freely you have been given, freely give you. We see God's power flow freely in the name of the Lord Jesus. We see the church rise to that position of authority. Like in those days, even in those days when the political structure stood against them, they still went out, they said, we must obey God. And they saw God's power flow raw. And as Peter said, he said, what I have, I give unto you. He said, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. We say the same thing in the name of the Lord Jesus. Because what we have as a church is the name of Jesus. We do not have an idea, we have the name of Jesus. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Thank you, precious Savior. God, I just pray, Lord, that as you've called Jeremiah at a young age, God, I pray that you would call all of our teenagers, all of our kids, Lord, all of our college students, Lord. God, we just pray, God, as, as racism, God, and lawlessness is tearing our nation up, God, I pray, Lord, we wouldn't be a people of racism, but of gracism, Lord. I pray that we would preach grace. God, I pray, Lord, that we will be a people, Father, that would just go into our schools, God, and just do something powerful, do something different, God. I pray, Lord, for boldness, God, over our high school and middle school kids, God. I pray, Lord, God, over our kids, God, our grandkids, Father. Lord, I just pray an anointing over them, God. Lord, that they would have the Word of God in their heart like Jeremiah did, God. You said, I formed you in my mother's womb, Lord. I know you, I hemmed you in and before. God, where can you go from my presence? Lord, we pray, God, as they go into their nurseries, God. Lord, they would begin at a young age to just know you, Lord, to know your goodness, to know your graciousness, God. You said, let the little ones come unto me, Lord. Let us not be a stumbling block to our little ones, God. Let us move, Lord, in the power of the Holy Spirit, God, in our kids, Lord, in our grandkids, 
in our children, Lord. We pray over them. We pray over their minds, God, as they're hearing all sorts of educational things, all, Lord, theories. And, Lord, I pray, God, that when our itching ears would just hear other theories, God, we would just rely on the Holy Spirit of Jesus, God, that we would have the Word of God in our hearts and minds, God. We would have the Word of God in their hearts and minds, Father. At a young age, Lord, they would be able to quote Scripture, God, that we, they would be able to lead their friends to the Lord at the lunch table, God. I pray, Lord, as they're sharing crackers and, Lord, as they're sharing apple juice, I pray, Lord, at a young age, they would say, do you know Jesus? I know Jesus. They will be baptized in the Holy Spirit, God. We pray that over our kids and our grandkids. Lord, we pray, God, that it would run over in their lives, God. And we pray it in faith, God. Let us be people of grace, not race. In Jesus' name, I pray. Father, we thank you this morning for who you are. We thank you this morning, God, that you're still on the throne and that you've not lost any of your power. You've not lost your ability to lead us and to guide us. And we pray this morning, Father God, as we have drifted away as a, as a ship that's lost its anchor, Lord, our nation has drifted away. Lord, from the principles in which it was founded, and we pray this morning that you would uh, stir our minds and our hearts to get back to your word, Lord, because your word is the foundation of our life. It's the foundation of the church. And we pray, holy God, as we come to you this morning, that you would forgive us of our sin and that you would allow our hearts to be moved in a way, not just a, an emotion this morning, but stir us from the inside, God, and allow our hearts to be moved and drawn back to you to a place that we know that we need to be. We ask you this morning, Father God, that you would forgive us of our failures. Lord, that you would let that word of God as we read it not just be words on the page, but it would be life to our hearts and, and to our souls, Lord, and that it would bring light and it would guide our path and that we could walk in the path that you've set for us to go. We pray this morning in the name of Jesus that you would guide us Lead us by your power and your Holy Spirit, Lord. Don't let just be an emotional service this morning, but let it be a life change. Let it be a life change this morning, we pray in Jesus' name. Lord, I want you to take about 60 seconds. I want you to be able to call out to God, and then we're going to sing a prayer this morning. Come on, let's pray this morning. Lord, we just come before you. We seek you. Lord, we call out before you, Lord. We're not just going to diagnose what's wrong with our country. But, Lord, we want to be like Moses, Lord, that we want to turn. Lord, we're just not going to throw, throw darts and cast stones. But, Lord, we call. We come to pray this morning. We know that our only hope is within you today. We know our only hope is within you today. God, revive the church. Speak the church. Lord, fresh baptism of the Holy Spirit this morning. Fresh call to intercession. Fresh call to the prayer closet. Oh, God, stir us this morning. Stir us this morning, oh God. Lord, we pray for our nation. We pray for our country, Lord. We're grieved. And Lord, we call out to you, not with superiority, not with a stone this morning, but Lord, with a heart that's broken. God, we call out to you this morning. We call out to you this morning. Lord, we start this week of fasting and prayer, humbling ourselves, for, Lord, asking for forgiveness for our own sins, our own shortcomings today. 
Oh God, oh God, move in our hearts this morning. Move in our hearts this morning. Thank you for listening to the Generations Church Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the message today and pray God's greatest blessings on you. For more information about Generations Church and its ministries, check out our webpage at gctlh.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter.